Stomach Pen and a Napkin Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. We are at episode number 42, and today we are going to talk to, we're going to, we're going to zig a little bit, we usually zag, but today we're going to zig, and we're going to step out of the high school coaching ranks, and for the first time we're going to get into a discussion with, a, with an AAU program or a club program here with Connor O'Neill from the Omaha Sports Academy and try to get the the latest updates and information as to what's going on in the world and how quickly, how hopefully how quickly we can start working our way back to the old normal now that we've been in our new normal the last three months or so. But before we talk to Connor here, we of course want to thank our sponsor for our podcast, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at COSACchiro.com, that's K-O-S-A-K, chiro.com or give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300. If you do go in to see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi, be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so be sure to follow us there. You're listening here. If you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so be sure to like, rate, review, follow, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Uh, push this pod out to people, like-minded people who are interested in the same type of topics. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach O'Neill, how uh, how are you doing today? Any anything anything hectic man. in your world? Man, I, you know what? It's been a crazy couple days. We uh as you know, we kind of, you know, we got the call yesterday that, that we have kind of the green light to um, kind of proceed with things in Iowa. So as you can imagine on here with all, you know, 30 girls teams and the amount of boys, you know, that we're expecting for our tryouts, uh, you know, we we're actually going to do those on Sunday and Monday. So it's, as you can imagine, we got, we got a lot of stuff to do uh, before we can execute that on Sunday, but we're ready to go. And obviously super excited about getting going here. Make sure you, uh, make sure you got plenty of ice packs available for your shin splints for being on your feet exactly. for, for, for 12 or 14 hours in a row. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? We've been doing these small group workouts really over the last four weeks or so. And I, I keep my phone in my pocket so I can brag about how many steps I've been taking every day. So <laughs> the, one, what's, the one positive of everything. What's your I'm record? Great, so. What's your record? Uh, I got to, I got to about 29,000. Um, oh. it was on a Tuesday where we had like, man, we had like eight workouts that day. It's been, it's been really good. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's been fun to work with kids. It's been fun to be innovative with our workouts, but man, it's yeah, it's no joke on the old on the old legs and feet for sure. Oh, see, I was feeling good. I've had some days here where I've hit <laughs> I've hit like thirteen, fourteen thousand, yeah. and I'm like, ah, man, this this good stuff. And and now you now yep. you make me feel like just a bum, Connor. Thank no, you, I appreciate that. Not at all. <laughs> That's funny. So let's dive right into it. And and for for our loyal listeners, we're probably going. You know, Connor's on a little bit of a time limit here today. And we got a lot of things I want to cover, and we're going to kind of probably jump around a little bit just because, you know, we're, we're delving into some, you know, the format's just going to probably be a little bit different. Um, but you get the call this spring or, or the text or the email, and you start finding out that, that, that you, you've, you, you've had this huge buildup to get ready for your spring and summer season, and then it's completely, you know, the carpet is literally pulled away from, from under your yep. feet there. Um, what were those first few days, first couple of weeks like for you guys there um, as you're trying to kind of figure everything out? Yeah, and you know what? The, 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 you know, the interesting part about it was 
our, you know, as you, as most of the clubs around here, our girls' tryouts um, are a week before the boys' tryouts because of the state tournament difference, you know, being a week apart. So um, if you can remember back then, I mean, it was, God, it feels like it was three years ago. It really wasn't that long ago, but we... Um, <laughs> three months, we, three months have felt like three years. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. So I guess it was right after our girls' trial, really that week where we, we started to hear some, some just rumblings of, you know, some things closing down. And I think it got real for us when when the Creighton game was, was stopped at halftime and they mm-hmm. started canceling all the conference tournaments that morning. And then we found out, I think it was that day or maybe the day after where, you know, the NCAA tournament was going to happen. That's when we were like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is a way bigger thing than I think anybody thought. So, yeah, you know, we were, we were kind of, pre- we were preparing for somewhat of a modified season. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe a later starter or a delay. Um, but you know, what it's turned into has been obviously a much bigger, much bigger deal than that. So it's been, yeah, it's been a lot of adjusting on the fly. I mean, it's it's kind of been a week to week thing where we've just been taking it, you know, one thing at a time. We did a lot of admin stuff right off the bat. We try to get ahead of a lot of the you know, registrations and payments and things like that. And then, you know, it turned into a, a situation where we we were from home for probably two weeks, um, and then we were kind of back at it, you know, in very small, kind of just small doses. And we started these small group workouts eventually, you know, when we were able to. So mm-hmm. it's been just kind of a slow process and takes a lot of patience but yeah it's been just kind of you know a way to get us ahead from an admin standpoint and you know we're trying to make the most out of a situation that obviously has been very difficult and tricky for everybody yeah so what's what's the process been like you guys are it, it seems like the the aau uh and the, and the select sports have been ahead of pace with yeah. the high school sports and what they've been allowed to do yeah. um so where are you guys at now and, and what are you uh, capable of doing and, and what are some of the, um, you know, the, the, the hoops that you've had to jump through to get to that point? Yeah, I think, you know, it started off where, like I said, it was a lot of, it was, I mean, we were completely shut down until we were, until we were allowed to, to do otherwise. And really we started with um, these small group workouts, you know, whenever, you know, obviously when we could, but really it took a lot of, I mean, it's been a lot of planning from a sanitation and from a social distancing standpoint. I mean, if you, if you walked into UBTR facility right now, I mean, it doesn't even, you know, our entrance is totally, looks totally different than it, than it ever has. I mean, our, our processes are in place and obviously everything is very, very well marked around here. I mean, we've been, we have dots literally six, six feet apart from each other. So kids make sure that they understand what six feet means. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of planning, a lot of, you know, we obviously we want to, we want to, we want to make sure the kids are safe when they're here and we ensure parents that they would be. And it's taken a lot of executing. I mean, we have somebody at the door, we have somebody walking them in. I mean, we are literally with our kids from the second they walk in to the second they walk out, main, maintaining social distancing. Every kid has their own basketball. Every kid has their own hoop. Uh, obviously no live play. I mean, it's been very, it's been very, uh, it's been unique. That's for sure. But it's been something that, you know, as we've gotten through the first week or so, it kind of, you know, it became kind of a new routine for us. And now, you know, now we're slowly getting back to the point where we can have a few more kids on the court and, you know, still maintaining all the, all the social distancing rules and laws in place, but it has eased up a little bit over the last couple of weeks, which is kind of nice. Um, and then, like I said, we just got the word that Iowa, Iowa is full go starting, you know, starting for our trials on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, did you have to do stuff like take temperatures and things like that? You know what we, we, that was, that was on one of our topics that we, we had talked about originally, um, in, in our communication with parents, we just, we just encouraged them to take their own temp before they came into our building, make sure that they were healthy when they came here. Mm-hmm. If they felt any, even remotely, ill um obviously advise them not to come and 
you know, the nice thing is, is we're not requiring anything or anybody to come here. I mean, it's, it's everybody's doing this on their own terms. And, you know, obviously they're, they are, uh, they're comfortable with what we were providing. And we've had a lot of the same groups come back and, you know, repeat. And I guess, you know, that, that's a good sign for us that we're doing something right over here. What's been the um, reaction or, uh, I, don't, I don't know if reaction is the right word, but uh, what's been the response of players and parents and how you've done things? Has there been trepidation? Uh, has everybody been pretty well full go? I mean, what's 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 that communication been like? Yeah, you know what? It's it's you know smart. Say that again. Sorry, the last part. Just has there been any trepidation with players, parents? Uh, have have has everybody been uh, pretty much full go? Or you know what's that what's that been like for you guys? It's really it's really been hit or miss. To be honest with you, I mean, I think I think everybody has a, you know a situation that is unique. I mean, everybody you know there's some families that have been directly affected by it. Um, there's some families where maybe their neighbor's been directly affected by it, or a classmate, or a friend. I mean, there's there's I feel like there's just a lot of unique circumstances right now. And so to answer your question, I mean, we have we have a really good group. We have a very good core group of people that are coming in for these workouts. Um, we're starting to add more and more each week, um, new faces, new groups. But we like I said, we've had a lot of a lot of repeat customers with the, with this with this workout stuff. So I mean, I know that there are some families that <clears throat> maybe don't necessarily feel totally comfortable with, you know, the whole, the whole just being in public again and um, being around sports quite yet, but I feel like it's pretty overwhelmingly, you know, positive with the, with people being in favor of what we're doing. So mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been, you know, like I said, it's been um, kind of a case, case by case basis as far as, you know, what, how people interpret this whole thing, and what people are comfortable with, but that's kind of, that's kind of why we're making these more of an optional, just, you know, option for kids to get workouts in for those that actually want to, want to do it. Mm-hmm. So we're recording this Thursday. Yeah, it's Thursday, right, Connor? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's I Thursday. <laughs> yeah, okay. On my computer, it says Thursday, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, um, so uh, on Thursday, June the 11th, what? Uh, and, and this can change at a literally yeah. at a moment's notice. I mean, I think yeah. that's one thing we've we've all learned over the last few weeks and months yeah. is that yeah. this stuff can just change really quick. But where are you guys at? Uh, what can you do um, yeah, right now? And our, our, our focus over the last, and this literally happened about 24 hours ago, where we were given the green light to have a full go tryout um, in Iowa. And so with us managing the Iowa West Fieldhouse, that's, that's where we decided to move our, our boys tryouts to. Um, we're going to hold those on Sunday and Monday. And then we were always going to start our girls' practices on Sunday. Um, the only thing that changes with those is that now we are allowed to go live during those workouts. And so I had a whole, you know, we all did. We all had a plan in place for the social distancing non-contact practice that we were supposed to do on Sunday. And then, like I said yesterday, everything kind of changed. So um, as of now, we are we are going to hold our practices like we would normally. I mean, obviously, we you know we're gonna we're gonna let parents know that they are not they are not required to come to practice. They're absolutely not going to be punished or playing time will not be affected just because of the unique situation that's going on right now so for all the people that feel comfortable doing that we're going to make sure that we are doing our part to obviously fulfill all all of our obligations from an iowa perspective it's not like we can you know we still are going to we're still going to maintain social distancing and out of the building uh we're still going to sanitize we're going to make sure that kids are are obviously being safe we don't want big groups together regardless of what the laws are allowing us to do now but at the end of the day it is kind of nice and it's obviously exciting for us to to be able to, to you know have some resemblance of of what basketball looked like before all the stuff went down and, and Sunday really be the first day that that will that that will happen for us so you you know you're cleared in Iowa 
five on five if you wanted to. You know, now I don't know how smart that's going to be after not being able to do anything for three or four months. But if you wanted to, you could go five on five up and down the floor, bodies smacking into one another, and legally you'd be you'd be in the clear. Absolutely. Yep. And that's like I said. That that, we just got to go ahead to do that on on uh, yesterday morning. Okay. Um. So the next step would probably I would assume is after x amount of time you would want to resume some sort of competition right yeah yeah so what and and let me be clear for those of you that are listening to it, i'm not going to hold you to anything that you're saying i don't think anybody should hold you to anything yeah. that you might say to this next question yep. this is yep. purely speculation but but how do you uh in your very educated mind um what what do you how do you see the calendar developing here over the next couple of months both from maybe an optimistic point of view and per, with with practicality thrown in there as well yeah i mean well the first thing is we obviously we want to make sure that our kids have practice time before we throw throw them in any live play we're not going to we would never we would never throw our kids into a tournament without at least a couple of weeks of practice and so our focus over the next couple of weeks is to get just to get good team workouts in first um, to get our kids back in shape and to make sure that they're obviously being safe and, and you know we don't want to throw a kid into a four game weekend without without being fully prepared to do so. So that's the first that's the first part. And so I mean the earliest we would play um, would be the last week of June. And so that would be that would be kind of our target date. Obviously with things changing in Iowa as quickly as they did, I mean we are we're still hoping that there's going to be live play in Nebraska soon. So as soon as that happens, obviously with our with our facilities out here at UBT, a lot of times we use the mark, and you know, obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of clubs waiting for an answer on that as well. So it's not just us, but mm-hmm. for us specifically with our own facility, I mean we we would like to host as many events as we possibly can as soon as we're allowed to do so. Um, right now, obviously our focus is Iowa Fieldhouse because that's where the laws are going to allow us to play. But you know, I think down the road it's going to look like probably, you know, obviously against speculation, but I would I would assume it's going to be a pretty full July and August. Um, we we think that there will be live trades in the fall for NCAA events. Um, again, that's all that's speculation. Nothing's official on that yet. But that's kind of where where we think is you know where we think this whole thing is headed is probably into the fall a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so again, with fall athletes, obviously that's. That's tricky because you start your summer, you know, we're starting, like I said, we're starting Sunday, where fall sport kids obviously are not affected. It's more summer sport kids that are affected, and all of a sudden we'll have fall conflicts when the fall happens. And so the main thing is just communication, and, you know, we need to understand which kids are we're going to lose once they start volleyball practice or once they start, you know, softball practice and things like that. And we just got to, you know, obviously be ahead of that. So when that time comes, we'll, we'll make adjustments to our to our rosters and encourage kids to obviously we like multi multi sport athletes out here, but at the same time we we you know we need to make sure that we have all of our kind of ducks in a row when that stuff happens, so we have you know enough enough kids to compete on on rosters and things like that. Is there any part of the country that you know? I'm I'm sure you're probably looking at well, what's Texas doing or what's uh, what's what's North Carolina doing, or whatever it may be, or, or you know, here in the Midwest, where are we at? Are we are we a little ahead of the curve? Are we behind the curve? You know, you know, I think I, I think we are. That's kind of that's an interesting question. You know, I saw on Twitter, I saw on Twitter, I think it was a week and a half ago, so not this last weekend, but the weekend before that, uh-huh. they were having AU events down in Florida, and uh-huh. so that was really that was really probably the the first live. You know anything that I've seen on online lives, and I was like, man, that seems really early. So, especially for Florida, with all you know how popular Florida is, I was yeah. like, man, that's, that's and crazy. They've, that and they've had them. they've had a 
you know, they're not like a New York or a New Jersey, no, but they've, they've no. had their fair share of COVID That's cases. Okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I would say, I, I don't think we're necessarily behind the war. And I think we're kind of right on pace. I mean, I, I know that there are some states starting to open up, um, but I mean, other states like Minnesota, obviously Minnesota hasn't had any of their club teams play at all. Um, you know, I don't think any Nebraska club teams have played at all. You know, I don't think I've heard of a couple events here and there in Iowa, but again, that's, that's kind of where all of this is really just starting to kick off right now. It kind of seems like, so I feel like we're kind of right on pace with everybody else. Mm-hmm. As a, you know, you, you were a high school assistant coach for seven years. Uh, yep. do, do you think, you know, and this is more of your opinion, um, is it is it time to start doing stuff then if if we're going to do the stuff with the with the AAU and the club stuff whether it's basketball or or baseball softball and I know yeah. we've got cross country kids running is is it time to take that next step and maybe start doing stuff you know for high school coaches to do stuff with their high school teams yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that starts to happen soon. I, I think that obviously AU and clubs are are on a different. The chain of command is obviously different in a school. I mean, you're dealing with you're dealing with a lot of different factors. Obviously, from a district standpoint, at a school, as opposed to just you know we're, we're, we're we only have to worry about the laws and, and obviously what we think is right to do. But schools have a couple more hoops to jump through, I guess. So I can see it being a little bit a little bit behind. But I mean, I know that a lot of coaches are starting to work out, not not necessarily in a gym, but just doing like a track conditioning workouts and yeah um, you know things like that so i i wouldn't be surprised um you know i, I guess i i don't know how to answer that question but I, but I do think that they'll be a little bit behind with that just because they do have a couple of extra hoops to jump through yeah um so that's a that's a that's a i've asked you a good question and i've given you a question that you can't answer so i'm doing my job as an interviewer here so yeah um how much you know what's kind of the uh, the biggest adjustment, I, I would assume that for especially your higher level teams, your, your travel is going to be your your yeah. biggest change, don't you think? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in yep. what way? How do you how do you how are you guys planning on making those adjustments to where you're used to having, especially on your boys side, you know, with your yeah. Adidas teams and and that type of stuff, you're used to going to some bigger events. What are yep. what are some things that you guys have laid out to? Again, as much as you can at this point, adjust to the new normal. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean the biggest thing for us is just communication between local clubs. I mean, I think that none of us. I mean, obviously, this is not an ideal situ- situation for any of us. So the key has just been kind of kind of uniting together a little bit and realizing that man, we're, I mean, we need to be really strong locally and have good strong local events where you know maybe we're not having teams from all over the country come in, but we're going to have more of a regional a regional you know list of competitors and, and, and that's okay I mean, there's a lot of good clubs around here and so that's kind of what that's kind of what we are planning on um you know adidas actually is planning on having a couple of events still as long as as long as they're allowed to do so um but you know as of right now we've been working with like on the girls side of me and me and zach israel and um you know we've talked to lasers we've talked to a couple other local clubs where we are going to coast events when, when we're allowed to do so here in nebraska and mm-hmm. so i think that's the biggest thing is you know we, we understand the travel is going to be tricky obviously and there's you know who knows which which states are going to open up when um but you know we really don't think that there's going to be a ton of overnight travel going on this summer i mean I, I, that's something that we you know we're kind of preparing for so i guess just, just having a local just so just good communication between local clubs and having strong local events is, is probably an adjustment that we've you know we feel pretty good about have you have you done stuff like um you know you talked about lincoln with the lasers but have you you know yep. have you talked to people like in sioux city des moines sioux falls kansas city yep. and and that type of thing as well network yeah. there 
Absolutely, yeah. We have we actually have a uh, have a pretty good relationship with the arena, which is a new facility in, in Sioux City. We're going to have a couple of co-hosted events with them, where we'll send some of our teams up one weekend. They'll send some of their teams down one weekend. Uh, similar situation with All Iowa Tech over names. I've talked to Blake Jensen a lot. I think we're going to send a couple teams over there. Uh, a couple different times this summer, and they're going to do the same over here. So, like I said, you know, anything within driving distance is obviously better. <clears throat> better, you know, given the circumstances, and, and really what we think is going to happen is we'll probably have events where teams can come down, play back-to-back games, maybe even back-to-back-to-back games, and then be able to drive home. Mm-hmm. So that way, they're not they're not paying for hotels, they're not staying in hotels, they're not putting their kids or parents in situations where they're you know maybe not super comfortable with yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of a showcase style event um, is kind of what you know, kind of what we're leaning towards. Yeah, so a lot of people are looking at, excuse me, they're looking at like a long day instead of a long weekend. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah, okay, all right. And really that just takes a little bit extra, you know, from from, our, from an admin standpoint, that just takes a little bit extra planning for us to make sure that teams are given schedules where they're not playing at 8 a.m. then 8 p.m. I mean, we want to make sure that people aren't, you know, people are making efficient use of when they're, when they're going to come down to Omaha or whenever we go somewhere else we'd expect the same. Yeah, and, and and limiting their exposure, you know, yeah. to to you know, let's say y- you play at eight a.m., two p.m., and eight p.m. Well, yep. that's almost more dangerous because you're gonna you're gonna what are you gonna do between nine and one thirty, you know, yep, and yep. and that type of thing. So it, it would be more advantageous to go eight a.m., ten a.m., noon, head back home. That's what yeah, you guys. Absolutely. That's what you guys are leaning towards then. Yep, and, and I think just having just limiting the amount of times or the, I guess the number of groups that come in and out of your facility throughout the day would be wise too. I mean, if we have the same, if we have the same parent group, same kids, same coach, they're there for three hours and then, and then we have a change three hours later. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's better than having that, you know, everybody's coming and going and coming and going all day long. It's just going to create more, just a little bit more of a hectic situation. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, uh, you get done with a game and you go to subway and you, you know, just to grab a bite to eat to tide you over but that's, yep. Whoever you're with in the subway, whoever the the, the, the exactly. subway workers are with, you know, that type of thing. Exactly. Yeah, so that that yep. makes that makes a lot of sense. So, um, anything else? I mean, I, I think we've covered a ton of stuff. Is there anything that you feel like, as a as a club director and as as the stuff? I mean, like as high school coaches, we're just we're not in the the thick of the yeah. um, of conversation and and making the judgment. We're we're waiting for. Uh, people above us to tell us what we can yeah. do. Whereas yeah, you, you've, you've, you've had a lot more probably conversations with people. Yeah. Uh, just for our, our listeners, is there is there anything else that you can think of that would be important for, for coaches to know as we kind of inch our way back to the old normal here? Yeah, I guess, you know, I, the one thing that I've kind of just reminded myself really, so especially really over the last couple of days when we've gotten to go ahead to to uh, kind of go full go in Iowa is just, I mean, I, I think that it's really important to, you know, understand that just because we are full go and we can do whatever we want doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do necessarily for kids. I still think that we got to remind ourselves, I mean, they, they have, for a, lot of, for a lot of these kids, have not touched balls very often. I mean, they really haven't. I mean, yeah. the kids, you're going to have your kids that have been out there in the driveway every single day, but you're also going to have kids that haven't. So 
I think with that in mind, we just need to, whenever the time comes for the high school coaches and really our club coaches, just to make sure that we understand, like, these kids are not going to be in great shape and we don't want to put them in a situation where we are going absolutely, you know, all out first practice and, and expect them to be on top of their game. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be an easing, easing into a process for everybody. It's not going to be great basketball probably right off the bat. Um, I mean, these kids are not, <laughs> these kids are not where they would typically be on June, on June 11th. And so that's the, that's the part that I just, I've reminded my coaches and really a lot of us have talked about that, that we, you know your expectations need to be realistic for the first couple of weeks really even first probably month or so yeah yeah and i think that's that's uh that's a great point to make is even when you get back together with your high school teams you know i've had my kids i've been on them you know get out get shots up get shots up you know get the yeah. ball handling in but that's not getting up and down you're not making yeah, decisions at pace or even if it's five on zero you're not it's it's not yeah. it's going to be ugly for a while absolutely you know? yeah and, and we've even seen it in our, in our little small group workouts and we've had the same like i said we've had the same people have come in now i mean we've had some families that have come in probably 12 times now for for our for 45 long workouts and from the first three to the next three it's been an absolutely huge jump these kids are super resilient they mean I don't think kids even know that they're tired or out of shape, but I mean, from coaches' standpoint, they make a, they've made a huge jump just over the first, I guess, first couple weeks of doing these. I mean, it's, it, it happens quick, but man, the first couple weeks of workouts were like, man, you can tell these kids are not. It's nobody's fault. It's just the situation. But these kids are just not where they, you know, where they normally were or even were before this whole thing happened. Yeah. Well, I think I think their improvement was just all coaching by you. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, it was definitely. It's definitely. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> take, uh, take that credit and run with it, Connor. Yeah, so. exactly. I'm not even asking any questions. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay, well, that, I, I think, you know, I, I definitely wanted, and, and we kind of talked beforehand, you know, I wanted to talk to somebody that was in the know, that had had those conversations to see where, where things were at. And I, I think it's good for, you know, a lot of our listeners are high school coaches and to kind of get those updates and and see how the process uh, went through, was there was there was there anything about the process that you were caught off guard with, or surprised with, or or maybe got frustrated with, or you were like, oh, that happened actually a little bit quicker than what I thought. I mean, just anything along those lines. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, not I don't think anything necessarily took me by surprise. I think. God, it was just it, there's so there's so much learning to do the first couple of weeks about like where this thing was headed and what what like how it got you know how, how it gets spread. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I've learned more I've learned more about this virus than I ever thought would ever you know I would ever even care to know. But I, I, I think you know, uh, I think everybody has be known a lot more about biology yeah. and germ warfare know, right? over yeah. the last three well, months. So. And that's the thing. I mean, I guess from our standpoint, when we when we when we were preparing to get back into some sort of some sort of resemblance of basketball, it was just super important for us to to have a good understanding of what's going on. Because not only are we are we putting these kids in a situation where I mean, obviously we think it's we think it's safe, but we want to make sure that we are executing on every single every single thing that we possibly can to make sure that it's that it is not you know anything but just a safe environment over here. And so. Not only that, I mean, obviously our conversations that we have with kids, I mean, a lot of these kids haven't seen anybody else, hadn't seen anybody outside of their family before they came to these first workouts. And so, you know, obviously they want to go run up and give each other high fives or girls hug each other or whatever. But I mean, it's like, man, you guys, it's, this is a totally nor new normal that we are not, we've never been exposed to before. So the biggest thing is just, man, we've had to, we've had to really, things that you take for granted on a normal day-to-day -day basis around the basketball world is like totally been 180 flipped. You know what I mean? It's just been kind of, crazy the, the 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 changes that we've made but i feel like like i said kids are resilient i mean i think they're 
they're able to adjust on the fly, you know, a lot of times even better than adults do. Yeah. So I've, I've been really impressed with just the kids and how they've, how they've number one, listened to every single direction we've given. They've been probably more cautious than I thought they would be. Um, and it just goes to show that they've been really well educated on this and, and have good parents and understand that this is a serious deal. Yeah. Well, I think the kids can adjust because their habits aren't set in stone like yeah. their parents are. I mean, we're, yeah. we're just used to doing things a certain way for, because we're old, you know. Yeah, and yep. you know, um, I mean, I'm old. I'm, I'm not. I'm not yelling at the clouds old yet. But you know, yeah. I'm, you know. But uh, you know, those habits are hard to break. And even even a simple thing like you meet somebody for the first time, or you see somebody that you haven't seen for a while, and you're so used to just going up and shaking their hand. Well, yep. no, yep. now it's 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 a fist bump, or it's an elbow bump, yep. or it's nothing. You know, it's just like, yep. and uh, that's weird. That's that's yes. new. That's that's you know, and and, yes. and that that takes time. So, yep, yep. All right. Absolutely. Well, we're going to transition here. We're going to get into some actual basketball stuff here. Uh, our our Don Meyer quote of the day. We're going to transition here with that. Um, the goat, Don Meyer, and and Connor. Feel free to uh, to uh, expand on this if you would like. Uh, the Don Meyer quote of the day. Uh, Every coach should be recording games and watching them to learn. Set your, and then when he had this quote, it was VCR, I adjusted it, to DVR. Set your DVR for as many games as you can watch. I think that's a, I think that's a great learning tool is to, to record games, Absolutely. watch games. I know I spent a ton of time doing that. Uh, I still do uh, today. I'm, I, we switched to a new DVR, and my wife wanted to switch to a new DVR. I said, well, let's get it done before July 31st because when the yeah. NBA comes back, I'm going to be loading that thing up. So. Uh, is, is that is that something you encourage your OSA coaches to do? Yeah, you know what? It's 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 funny when you're saying that quote. I'm like, I was just having this conversation with I think it was Coach Deal actually at Miller North. That's who I you know I coached Miller North for seven years, and that's the biggest. That's one thing that I miss about about high school compared to AU. I mean, there's a lot of things that are obviously different, but man, the lack of having game film has been really it's been a weird adjustment it really has mm-hmm. and there's so many times this fall and winter I coached an 8th grade girls team um, and a 6th grade girls team and I'm like god I wish I just wish we could film this game I wish we could see what we're what we need to get better at I wish we could break this down a little bit more but when you're playing game after game after game it's just it's a, it's a different mentality you try to write down notes and, and take them to practice but man it's really when, when we sit down with our Miller North kids and we say hey this is your position on defense does it look like you're in the right spot help side defense it's just nice to see that visual aid and have that in front of you so i mean god yeah the film stuff has been a really big adjustment for me just just not having that and not having you know you kind of have to show kids what they were doing instead of instead of just saying hey here it is Mm -hmm. what what have been some other adjustments that you've had i mean i code you know and i'm going to be right along the front lines with you guys here the next few months as well. Um, but what are, what are some other adjustments that you've seen or that you've experienced going from high school, uh, to the AAU full time? Yeah, a lot more games, <laughs> a lot more games in AAU. Um, yeah, kids, it's, it's, you know, it's weird. I mean, when you lose a high school game, it, it feels different than when you lose an AAU game. And obviously that's some of that is with age as well. You know, when you're coaching sixth graders, they, they bounce back from a bad performance and take it a little bit less, you know, less, whatever, less hard, if you want to say that, yeah. compared to high school kids. But, I mean, yeah, they, it's just, it's, there's a lot of games, man. It really, it's, it's, you're practicing a little bit less and you're playing a lot more. So, it's just been a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot more teaching moments and games at AU than there are in high school, just because in high school you're practicing all week for maybe two weekend games, whereas AU is the exact opposite. You're practicing twice during the week for five weekend games. So, mm-hmm. 
that's been the biggest thing is just finding finding the right moments during games to have to have teaching moments and and it's almost like a glorified practice in some cases whereas in high school you're kind of you know you practice all week and then it's ready to go and then you kind of just compete so it's yeah it's, that's probably the biggest adjustment that i've had from high school to, to club do, do you feel like you're almost at, at times and i'm not saying it's the same level obviously it's not but <laughs> But like like NBA coaches, once they get into the season, they have to use, you know, sometimes they use games as yeah. team development and practice, and, and not really worrying about the wins and losses. Is that yeah. kind of the way you you take a take a look at things at times? Well, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the, 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 the results of AU games for the most part really don't mean much. Uh-huh. I hate. I mean, it's hard for us to you know, it's hard as coaches for us to to understand that and realize that. But it's really about the development of your players. I mean, that's especially at the youth level. I mean, nobody nobody cares what your sixth grade record was. I mean, kids probably do for for about a month. But that's you know, I couldn't tell you what my eighth grade record was this year. I have absolutely no clue. But I could tell you what our Miller North record was. It's just totally different. Um, obviously, when you get into high school, wins and losses mean every single game means something, whether it's for points or for your district seating or for your you know state or whatever whatever it would be whereas AU it's kind of like okay yeah you can win you can win a weekend tournament which is awesome obviously it's cool to see your accomplishments you know translate to wins but when you lose the game it really doesn't matter at the end of the day as long as your kids are developing and getting better and you know fulfilling what you know obviously achieving what they what their goals are in basketball whether it's to make the top team the next year or a high school team when they get to high school or just to have fun with their friends in some cases yeah I bet you have a couple parents that remember what your record was. <laughs> I'm gonna guess. Yeah, I'm gonna guess. There's probably. I'm gonna guess it's probably fifty-fifty. My eighth grade platinum team probably could tell you what their what our schedule or what our what our record was, but I definitely could not. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, let's hit this hard. We, we got about twenty minutes left. Uh, Coach O'Neill's got to work out here, so we got a, a little bit of limited time. But I really wanted to jump in, like you said, and I think you guys do a great job, and that's the reason why I wanted, you know. Again, thank you for for hiring me for the big bucks at OSA. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> but but what I really think separates your club from other clubs is you guys are truly uh, concerned about the development of the player um, and, and the development of the person, and and you have mainly high almost all of your coaches are high school coaches in your spring and summer uh, teams that are coming in and coaching your team. So so they have that perspective, and yeah. and like you said. Uh, you have a huge emphasis on player development, and you're not worried about winning a tournament, but you're worried about developing your, your players so that they can do better for their their school teams the next the upcoming school year. And that's your focus. So I know you guys do a great job with player development. Um, what are what are some key components? I'm just going to kind of let you go here, Connor, and and just talk about your guys' player development philosophy. What you um, uh, what maybe? What are some drills that you emphasize? What's yep. your what? Where are your emphasis at? I'm just gonna kind of let you go. I might interrupt you with a question yeah. that pops into my head, but I'm just gonna turn the floor over to you here. And and like I said, I might interrupt a little bit, but just let it rip yeah, no here, problem. man. Yeah, and well, let me let me first say that I it came into this. I mean, I have more to be honest with you. I have more of a baseball background as far as my where I was best as a, as an athlete myself. Um, and so something that I've really had to learn really even more so at OSA than probably at Miller North was, was from a skills perspective, really getting my, really getting better at that. I mean, that's something that I kind of self-identified as something that probably wasn't my biggest strength. Mm -hmm. Um, there are a lot better skills coaches, a lot more, you know, more in-depth skills coaches around, around town than me. So that's something that I really had to get better at, but that's, you know, I think that 
<laughs> we do play snippets, but we have what, what I really like about OSA is that when you come into an OSA workout, whether it's a seventh grade boy or a fourth grade girl, it's pretty much the exact same drills, no matter what, no matter what age you are. Obviously, we can make them a little bit more difficult, and we'll we'll teach kids and we'll, we'll go at the pace that they're capable of learning at. But really, in OSA kids, when you walk in, look look like the same kids. If that makes sense, I mean they have the same skills. We you know we teach positionless five out basketball at the youth level. We want everybody to feel comfortable shooting. I mean, we don't we don't set a bunch of screens. We don't run a bunch of sets. I mean, it's it's pretty free basketball where we kind of let our kids play with space and feel confident taking shots when they're open. And we work a lot on transition offense, and we work a lot on you know floor spacing and sprinting your cuts and you know you know balancing the floor and things like that. I think that's probably the biggest <laughs> the, the thing that's probably impressed me the most when I first started coaching at OSA was just how consistent everything is and how you know how uh, you know how I guess. From a from an overall program standpoint, just how similar kid one to kid two is. Mm-hmm. So, what what are some you know if you had to prioritize your um, your priorities yeah, from the Department of Redundancy <laughs> Department there? Uh, yep. You know what what's your top priority? What do you want to see if, if I take my son or daughter to OSA and and I'm with them for a full spring and summer season? Yep. You know, we we're going to really emphasize blank skill number one, and then blank skill number two. You know, and, and down the line there, what are you guys looking to do there? Yeah, you know, it's it's that's a really that's a tough question to answer. But if I had to pick one thing, honestly, I know it sounds the most obvious thing ever, but we want all of our kids to be able to shoot. I mean, yeah. it's the most under. I, I mean, if you can't score, it's hard. You know, it's hard. To, it's hard to really. You got to be really good at a lot of the things if you can't score to yeah. be on the floor. You know what I mean? So that's. On our youth level, we—I mean, we—we we shoot so much right now. I mean, it's been—that's something that I'm like. We all agree. We're like, we got to shoot more. We got to mm-hmm. shoot more. We got to shoot more. And that's something that we've really kind of taken to heart, and we've really, you know, we really have have put an emphasis on. I mean, from every single grade level possible, we spend a good chunk of practice just getting a ton of shots up and working on shot form, and not not necessarily just chucking shots. Actually, breaking breaking form down and um, making sure that kids get out of their bad habits early with their shot and you know they're on balance and they're taking game shots and practice and they're not just chucking a bunch of threes i mean when you walk into a gym nowadays just the current just how everything is in basketball right now you know I, when we used to when we used to go to the gym we'd start with layups now you come in and the first shot is typically a three yeah. right no matter what age group the kid is and it's just a habit that we we think is you know obviously it's something that something that is probably an overall landscape of basketball in America right now, but it's something that we, I mean, it is, it's super important to be a good shooter. So what, that's, honestly, that's probably, probably the most boring answer ever, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's the honest truth. No, what, what's your key, what do you guys uh, emphasize? What are your key teaching points to developing yeah. good shooters? We do a lot of, we do a lot of footwork stuff laying on balance and we, we, we teach one, two off the dribble. Um, and then we, to be honest with you, there's a lot of coaches that, that prefer one way or the other. We want our kids to be comfortable doing both. So we, we like one, two, we like hop. I mean, we, we do a lot of drills where we're doing both and we want kids to be able to, to shoot off, you know, off both feet, off, off, you know, off the dribble both ways, coming off screens, um, you know, making sure that their footwork is consistent and all, you know, all their, all their, all of their, um, you know, balance is, is, is on point and, you know, making sure that they're catching ready to shoot and things like that. Okay. Um, what are some, what are some drills that you guys do to really break down the shot? 
you know. Yeah, we start, I mean, like a lot of coaches, we start with our form shooting. We do what we call stuff Curry series where we do a bunch of just very, I mean, you're no no more than five feet away from the basket. Um, you're doing three crossovers. You're laying on balance. Uh, we do a 90-degree drill where we, where we face to the side, and then we pound one dribble, and then we have all 10, you know, 10 toes pointed to the rim, and they just make a bunch of easy shots. Uh, but a lot of just, like I said, a lot of consistent footwork drills where we're not necessarily worried about where the ball is going. We, we keep it really, really close to the rim on, on all those drills just to make sure that we're focusing on the right things so footwork follow through things like that they're not necessarily worried about where the ball is going and you know whether they're making the shot or not is it important in in your mind to uh with those close shots obviously the closer you are to the rim the more uh the more you should make and it's important to see that ball go through the rim psychologically don't you think yeah i agree 100 and i think you know i think that a lot of times kids kids get very caught up in the result of the shot as opposed to really realizing that they're they're breaking bad habits in a lot of cases. So I think that it's one of the reasons why we do such close shots on those drills is that they're not, number one, yeah, they are making more shots, obviously, because they're right in front of the rim, but more importantly, they're not necessarily as worried about the result of the shot. They're more worried about what we're teaching them as far as the footwork and the falter and whatever whatever we're teaching for that, for that specific drill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've always told my kids, you know, if you're going to miss, miss long. If you're gonna, if you're not gonna miss long, miss short, and that and that's an easy adjustment. But yep. when we start missing right or left, that's when we got to really talk about elbows or balance or anything like that. Don't worry about anything if you're, especially if you're missing long, you're gonna be fine. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Um, what? Uh, so, if if you're if you're stuck on an island, a desert island, I'm gonna call this the desert island question here. All right. <laughs> Okay. You're stuck on a desert island, and you've and you've got. I'll give, I'll even give you a full court here, Connor. All right, somewhere on this remote, uh, Gilligan and the professor built you this full court basketball uh, facility here, and you're stuck on this island. But you're only allowed to run three drills. Okay, pick pick your three favorite slash best drills, and if you could explain it to our listeners as best as you could with our medium here. Um, yep. that, that you're going to run with those, with, with that group of kids, uh, that is going to make them the best, uh, overall basketball players possible. Yep. So yeah, I'll start with my, what we call our attack series here at OSA. Okay. Um, it's how I start, it's how we literally start every single practice, no matter how old you are. Um, no matter whether you're a boy, girl, doesn't matter. All of our youth practices start with what we call an attack series drill. Um, the attack series is where you have really doesn't matter how many kids you have around the perimeter we typically i usually have three or four so like if you had three you'd have one wing spot you'd have a top of the key spot and you'd have an opposite wing spot and all it is is i mean it's basically a catch rip and you can you work on different finishing moves out of the drill and so what happens is kids start inside the paint with the basketball they pass it out to their teammate and then they go close out on them they don't try to play defense they don't they don't try to steal it they don't try to break them down nothing like that they just close out kids catch ready to shoot they catch rip and then they, and then we do a bunch of finishing moves off of that and that's a really good way to start practice we obviously start with different finishes which you know sometimes we just start with layups it kind of depends on the age group and what the level of you know how advanced they are but there's a lot of things you can do it's a lot to me it's a lot it's a, it's a more efficient version of, of the layup line uh-huh. uh, because you're having three people go all the time and it's you just get a ton of reps in to start practice. So I, I usually spend about three or four minutes, sometimes five, six minutes, doing different finishes. We rotate spots where they're catching on the left wing, they're catching on the right wing, they get all three spots and a bunch of reps. And you can also do, you know, you can do pull-up jump shots out of that, you can do catch and shoot out of that, you can do whatever you want. But it's good. I like I like that one a lot. Okay. Um, the second one is what we call... Uh, 
it's a transition defense. It's really transition defense and transition offense drill. But we basically put kids, we put kids in what we call the outlet boxes. Um, we put two more kids at half court, and then we have a rebounder and a point guard. So it's just a transition drill where kids are, are we just break down the spacing in, in, in transition. Um, and then obviously there's defensive players as well where two kids have to touch the baseline. It's like a five on three offense versus defense drill. Mm-hmm. So it's you know you're supposed to you are supposed to be successful offensively out of the drill. Um, but more importantly, kids, you know, we, we, we preach to get kids to the corners and, you know, space the floor out and stretch the floor out and transition. So it's a drill that you can get a lot of reps in, um, puts pressure on the defense. I mean, we want to have somebody protect rim. We want to have somebody stop ball. Like everybody, you know, everybody talks about obviously on transition defense. So it's a way to get both, both, you know, if you struggle more on offense in transition and you don't, you don't find yourself making buckets out of transition very often, you can focus on offense out of the drill. But if you're, you know, struggling defensively in, in transition, you can focus on the defense more of the drill. So it's just a, it's a total. Totally, I don't know. It's a totally. It's, I mean, it gets kids really active, obviously, throughout the whole the whole drill. But it's something that I do almost every single practice, and it's it's been good. We've had a lot a lot of improvement that I saw on my two teams just from doing that drill every day, transition wise. I think that would be like that five on three plus two or five on four plus yeah. one. Yeah. I, I've always called it call the name transition, uh, but yeah. you know, there's different names for it. But I I, I think that if, if that were my if you forced me to only have one drill. And, and, and you can only do one thing. I think that yep. would be my one uh, yep. one drill for team development, overall team development. Um, yeah. Um, obviously, I would do different things if you could say it was just purely skill development. But for yeah. team development and being in the most realistic situations in, in a yep. game situation, I think that's the best yep. possible Absolutely. drill you could do. That's my opinion. So Yeah, I agree. I, I really like that's an absolute must for any practice of mine i mean there has to be some sort of transition drill um because to be honest with you you know when when and this is one thing that i've learned but from traveling to the different events whether it's an adidas event or even just going to ames i mean we one thing i've learned is that on the girls side in, in omaha and really in nebraska in general we are almost always out outsized i mean it's just not even it's it's very rare that you have a team that's that's the biggest team in a tournament and then i think a lot of that has to do with how how many kids play volleyball here i mean i think our yeah. tall kids not that there's no tall kids playing basketball, but I think a lot of our, our taller kids have developed into volleyball players, and that's obviously a credit to it's a credit to you know the history of Nebraska volleyball and what Coach Cook and all the all his predecessors have done with that program. It makes you know little kids grow up wanting to play volleyball here, and that's awesome for them. Um, they've done a good job, and obviously the results show on the volleyball volleyball court all around the all around the city and all around the state. But something that we've had to overcome from a basketball standpoint. Is that we've you know we have to we have to play fast we have to make shots I mean we're not going to bang around and probably out out physical kids very often it's just not not the way the most Nebraska teams and Omaha teams look when they go down to like a Dallas Texas or a, even a Kansas City or wherever they go so playing fast playing in transition is something that we absolutely have to be good at and I tell I, even our youth kids I go hey when you guys start traveling when you get older you gotta you gotta learn to play in space because you're not gonna have a chance if you don't what can we do as coaches to to counter that. It's, it's, it's not that we – I don't think any of us want to say, well, don't play volleyball. But what no, can we do to get more of those girls especially to say, you know what, you can play volleyball and basketball. What are – in, in your eyes, and, and you've seen it for both the high school level and the AAU level yep. now for an extended time. What, yep. what are things that we can do to, to encourage those kids to uh, not see things so um, – yeah. you know, with, 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 uh, blinders on. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I think 
the number one thing is obviously you have to get them early. I mean, if you wait too long, their minds are already made up. I mean, I, there are so many. I mean, I was at Miller North during a, a really good volleyball run where they won a couple state titles, and there wasn't a single kid that played both sports. We won, we won state basketball. Uh, they won state volleyball. And we didn't have one kid that overlapped the two sports. And so, I mean, God, we walked through the hallway at Miller North, and I'm sure a lot of schools feel the same way. It's like, God, why? I can't believe that kid's not playing basketball. I can't believe that kid's not playing basketball. But, I, you know, whenever I had him in class or asked him about it, they're like, we've never, never played basketball. It's not like, I, for the most part, we're not losing those kids later. They just don't ever play. Like, they just, I don't know. From my, from my experience, at least, I think that you have to really target those kids at a young age and, and, and teach them that it's okay to play two sports. And, and I think on the other side of that, we, it's, it's easy to say that you want multi-sport kids, but you have to back up. You have to back it up with what you are allowing as far as flexibility with practice attendance and things like that. Because if you're punishing kids for missing a practice and for a volleyball practice, I mean, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to choose one or the other. And that's one of the issues that I think we have is that we put so much pressure on on practice attendance, not realizing, we're not realizing that a lot of these kids are doing other stuff. It's not like they're sitting at home, you, you know, sit on the couch. No. So I think that's flexibility is really important. Um, and then, like for me, I mean, there's a lot of kids here that aren't playing, <clears throat> that aren't playing spring and summer basketball that played fall, winter, and that, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, obviously, we want our kids, we want our kids to play as much basketball as possible. But if a kid is taking the summer off to play softball, let them do it. Yeah. Don't punish them. Don't. It doesn't. Missing summer basketball is is not the end of the world. Yeah, and you welcome them back with open arms exactly. when they do decide to come back. You, you can't hold a grudge with it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Can can you know from from a basketball point of view? Uh, do you, do you just do we just have to do a better job of just hey this is fun as well you can have success here as well um, and and it's and it's it's a lot of fun to do it's a lot of fun to play you know is is, is that the selling point that you've got to give to kids and in, in yeah, now going so down right. to second third fourth grade you know I agree I think the, I think the youth level to to a certain extent I mean, we we try to make our practices as fun as possible for that age group especially I mean if you're not making it fun for that age group they're going to lose interest really quickly if you take it too seriously they're going to lose interest really quickly obviously we want them to be you know we want them to learn the right the right things during practice and we we want to have discipline during our practice but at the end of the day we do have to make it fun I mean it's it's not it doesn't nobody that age wants to come to something that 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 feels like it's a chore you know what I mean and that's I'm sure volleyball does a great job with that to be honest with you I don't I don't spend a lot of time around the volleyball course even though we are right next to elite but I know that they have a lot of kids coming out of their place and they seem to have a really good time over there so we're trying to match match that energy and you know we don't look at it as competition between the two at all we're, we're here to support each other and I think that's another part of it that that I think clubs we just need to work together a little bit on that stuff and make sure that if we're giving, giving and taking on our attendance for practices and tournaments and things like that that you know we would expect and hope that they would do the same because if one sport is absolutely diehard in their attendance and the other one's not you know typically that's not a very good balance yeah Okay, so I'll make sure to not encourage, um, you know, line drills for our second graders when I'm there yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, all right, all right, line drills. all right. Note, note to self. All right, uh, we <laughs> we got <laughs> we got through uh we got through two we got through two drills. Uh, I I need your yeah. third one for the desert island here. Yeah, my third. Well, God, the, I honestly I, I have like five or six that I would, that I'm having a hard time choosing my last one. But it would have to be a defensive drill. I think that there's a really good dif- disadvantage defensive drill that we like to do. It's a five on four. You can even do five on three if you really want to challenge your kids. Um, we put five kids around the around the arc offensively, um, and then we put limitations on you know how many passes they can make or how many dribbles they're allowed to take, whatever you want to do. But the three kids or four kids defensively are on the baseline, and I would throw it to one of the kids, and it's just a half court transition drill where they're always outmatched by one kid or at least. Or in some cases, two kids. So they learn to fly around. They learn to close out under control. 
more importantly, they, they learn to communicate with each other because if you don't get the ball stopped first or if you don't know who you're guarding, then it's, you know, it's obviously, it's obviously not going to go well for you. So I do like that drill. Sometimes I say, hey, offense can only shoot. You can't dribble. You can't make lives. You can only shoot. We try to get, we try to close out on shooters and match up on shooters and, you know, be in the right spots. And then sometimes I let them get to the rim where help side is really important and being in the gaps is really important. We play a gap defense here. Mm-hmm. So I really like the defensive disadvantage drill because there's no way, <laughs> number one, there's no way to hide in that drill. I mean, there's absolutely no way because you're flying around and you're already, you know, you're already, you're already at a disadvantage. So if you, you know, if you jog out or if you don't play very hard, or if you don't communicate, it's going to be, it's going to kind of be an exposing of, of who wants to really defend it, who doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that one. I like that. I, I'm sorry. I was writing that down here. So, um, one last thing here. We got about five minutes before you got to go. Um, off ball movement. Um, how do you develop better off ball movement? Yeah, well, I think at the youth level, I think at the youth level, it's important to put in rules. I hate the word rules in basketball, but you got to put in, you got to put in your principles of what you want them to do. I mean, I think that like we do a dribble at automatically a back cut on a dribble at. Um, we do, we do full sprint cuts all the way to the rim line. Uh, we put in spots literally on the floor that we want them to get to when they make their cuts from different angles and things like that. Uh, from the corners, we only, we only, you know, we sprint a cut to the rim and then we go back out to the corner. Uh, when we pass it to the corner, it's a sprint pass, it's a sprint cut to the basket. I mean, I think, I think putting in, I think putting in black and white rules on a five out offense like we run in a motion, you know, kind of a, kind of a, you know, positionless, like I said, five out five out offense i think it's for the youth kids especially they want to see it they want to know exactly what they're supposed to do because if you just talk about it you say hey you got a bunch of, if you give kids too many i hate to say this but if you give kids too many too many ideas on what they can do sometimes it just becomes a cluster and they run around in circles so i think it's yeah. important to put them put them in spots and, and teach them exactly where they where they need to go and obviously they'll learn to adjust when they get a little bit older how important and this is the last question uh we'll have here uh how important is it Especially when you're when you're developing your program and you're developing young players before before high school level and even early in their high school level, that you develop uh, the whole player that you teach guards, for example, how to play post defense and how to post up offensively, uh, because you don't know. In, in in fifth grade, well, yeah, this kid might be yeah. five foot. Let's say it's a girl, and she's five foot three already in fifth grade. But maybe she only ends up being five foot six, and yeah. now you've negated her career or you've you've hampered yep. her career. You know how important is it to, to to develop the whole player? Yeah, I, I and you honestly just hit it on the head. I mean, you we we put these kids in. You know, you see coaches around not just anywhere, I guess put these kids in spots where they can really be successful and then sometimes dominate games when they're in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. It's like, are you really doing this for to get wins at a seventh grade level or are you doing this to, to make this kid the best good of a player as they can be? And so that's, it is, I mean, it's tough. I mean, obviously we're all competitive. We all want to win games, but the way that we teach it out here is, I mean, we want all of our kids to be able to shoot. We want all of our kids to be able to dribble. We want all of our kids to be able to play with their, you know, facing the rim. Um, and in some cases, as they get older, if we think a kid is really projected to be, a, 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 you know, obviously a, a, a tall kid or a, or a, I guess what some people call a post player, we want them to have both back-to-the-basket skills and face-up skills. And so I think it's important. I mean, we have to take kids, you know, we have to, and that's our job, and we have to evaluate what kids are good at, what they need to get better at, and, and help them get there. I mean, I think that, you know, as 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 youth players, I mean, we, we want all of them. I, I, there's no, put it this way, if you watch a college game at the highest level, you know how tall you have to be to be a post? It's insane. I mean, <laughs> six footer, six footers are guards for UConn. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's there's really no 
there's no height that really would limit you from, you know, being able to shoot the basketball or, or play on the perimeter or be able to dribble or, you know, push the ball in transition, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Connor, any, any social media you want to plug for OSA? <laughs> Uh, you can follow the OSA Crusader Girls uh, Twitter account. I think it's just OSA. I think it's Crusaders underscore girls or underscore Crusaders girls. To be honest with you, I don't have it memorized, but OSA Crusaders Girls would be a good Twitter account to follow. We have a lot of updates for our youth, and we have you know videos of us doing drills and practice and things like that. If you ever wanted to see kind of what OSA OSA's workouts and practices consist of, it's boys and girls videos on that stuff. But obviously on the girls' sites, we focus on our girls' teams more, so that's a really good one to follow. I think that the, we've done a really good job of, of kind of promoting and, and, and you know, showing people what we do over here yeah i would i would wholeheartedly agree again that's why i get i get the big bucks here in a few weeks so um connor thanks so much for your time this morning i really really appreciate it um and a lot of great information on on what uh what's going on in the world the process you guys are going through and where we're at some great player development stuff i thanks so much for your time this morning connor Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me, Coach, and we'll uh, look forward to seeing you on Sunday at our workout. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Right. So have a great workout with your kids here today. So. Thanks, man. Appreciate All right. it. All right. So, again, Connor O'Neill from Omaha Sports Academy. Uh, uh, we also want to thank our, our sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, if, you have any, if you are in need of any chiropractic services, uh, uh, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Again, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. And download, rate, and review the pod. You're on SoundCloud. You're on iTunes. Download, rate, review. Forward this out to folks that might be interested into this. Uh, again, we want to help coaches get better. And again, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, uh, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, the information that Connor gave us this morning, uh, we're recording this on Thursday morning, uh, uh, June the 11th. Uh, it could be moot by the time this 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 goes to air, uh, but we'll see how we'll see what happens with that. But uh, coaches, as always, let's pray for peace. Let's stay safe, and be sure to hone your craft one day at a time. <laughs>